Hello, this sermon audio is a ministry of the Town Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you would like to learn more about us, how to connect, or how to support us, go to our website, thetownchurch.org. While listening to the Bible preached is a healthy part of our spiritual formation, it is not the whole picture. So if you aren't a part of a local church, we encourage you to prayerfully commit to a local body of believers where you live. We're glad you can join us, and we hope God uses the following sermon to reveal more of His glory to you. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. My name is Vince. I am one of the elders here at the Town Church. If we haven't met, I'd love to meet you. I'm also on staff as one of the pastors here. Um, It's good to be with you all. We've done this already, um, but we can't do it too many times. He is risen. Indeed, what a beautiful thing that just floats through our day to, to consider that what Jesus has accomplished um, brings lasting effect for us, even now, brings us hope. Um, So it's good to be with you this morning. Let me start here. Can I ask this question? What in your life right now seems like an impossibility? Now, I know what all the parents are thinking. You're thinking, how am I going to sit through this with kids in my lap, right? That seems like an impossibility. It's not, and you're doing a great job. Um, uh, what in your life right now, what looms in front of you like an impossibility, just feels like an impossibility, it's hanging over you, it's in front of you, whatever that is, feels like an impossibility. Get something in mind there. Maybe you've been praying um, that God would cause something to happen in your life, but, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, if you're like me, you're, you're thinking there's no way that's going to happen. Or have you been in situations like that where you're, you're thinking about it, you're hoping for it, and you're just like, ah, but that, there's no way that, that's going to happen. It feels like an impossibility. There's no way that will ever work out. It's just an impossibility altogether. We've had several of those kinds of things recently over the last years in our family where it just feels like what's in front of us is going to be an impossibility. And God has graciously worked a lot of those things out, and we, we give praise to him and there are some things we're still asking God in his power to do. Feels like an impossibility, but we're asking. What in your life right now seems like an impossibility? When something seems impossible, if you're like me, it, it then feels like it's absolutely difficult or, 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 or impossible, difficult to plan around that thing in your life. It's just difficult to plan around because you don't know what's going to happen it feels like an impossibility, and so you're trying to plan around it. We like to plan and prepare, don't we? We want to plan, we want to prepare, and as much as we like to plan, and as much as we want to plan, and as much as we have the God-given ability and also the responsibility to plan, we are often reminded, over and over reminded, that God's plans are the only plans that are carried out always and perfectly. It's God's plans that are, that are carried out perfectly. In fact, we see this so clearly in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that God had a plan, he, he has a plan, and, and his plan stands unaffected. It stands unchanged by anyone or anything. You hear that again? I need to hear it again. I want, I want us to listen to this. Hear, hear this clearly. God has a plan, and he is not Stopped by the impossibilities of this life. He's not stopped by the impossibilities of this world. So what in your life right now 
seems like an impossibility. Now, I'm not saying think of that thing and then magically it will all, all get better because it's Easter Sunday. That's not what I'm saying, but we do have hope. We absolutely have hope. After the life, death, burial, resurrection, and then ascension of Jesus, the church begins without Jesus. Think about that. The church begins without Jesus. Now, he's left the helper. He's left the Holy Spirit to be with us. And in the beginning pages of the book of Acts, the book of the Bible in the New Testament, Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, his followers, stands up and he begins to teach the people who would gather around. Jesus is gone, the church is now started, but what's it look like, and how is this thing going to get off the ground? And he stands up and he teaches, assures the people that all of what has happened, all of what they're now mourning, all of what they've gone through, is a part of God's plan. This isn't some crazy thing that his disciples have thought up and pushed in front of people. No, this is God's plan. Jesus' life death and resurrection on earth. All of those things are a part of God's plan. And then right in the middle of Peter's sermon, his teaching in Acts chapter 2, in fact, if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to Acts chapter 2. If not, we'll have it here on the screen for you. I want you to know that it's in the Bible, so if you have a Bible, you can look at it so you know I'm not making this up. This is from God's Word. If not, it's here on the screen. Here's what Peter says. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 22. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Yeah. Listen, Jesus' life is God's plan. We'll start there. Jesus' life is God's plan. Peter is addressing the people of Israel, these people who have gathered around, God's chosen people, and he's talking to them about Jesus, the Savior who has come. He's come to rescue And Peter says, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God. Jesus of Nazareth, this is Peter's way of saying, Jesus was a human. He was from a real place. He was from a place called Nazareth. He's a real man. I'm not just making this up. It's not like, there once was a man, and you just make up something and fill in the blanks. No, he was a real person from Nazareth, a real place. These Jewish people were expecting a Messiah, this powerful leader who would come in, but they were certainly not expecting a man like Jesus from a backwoods place like Nazareth. I was going to say, like describe what that place was like, but I don't want to offend anybody who might be from that place. So in your mind, whatever that backwoods place is, think about that, right? A Messiah had come, and they were not expecting this, this person to come in Jesus from this place like Nazareth. So Peter is shifting their thinking to see that faith in God is rooted in what Jesus' life, real human life as God, has already accomplished. He's proven it, attested by God as fully God. How? 
How's he attested by God? Look, look at the last part of verse 22. He says, he's been attested to you by God by mighty works and wonders and signs. God has shown Jesus to be the one true Messiah with the powerful miracles he enacted when? While he was on earth. While he was here on earth, fully human, fully God. That was God's plan. Don't let that be simple. Don't, don't let that be like, yeah, we know that. Jesus came to earth. We get it. No, no. Hear that. God himself came to earth. That's huge. Our God came to be with us in the person of Jesus. Jesus Christ came to earth as a human and God. Church, this is central to our faith. It's got to be. That God humbled himself. That God condescended to be near us. It's central to our faith to, to be with us. He lived on earth. That was God's plan. From the very beginning, it was his plan. But Jesus' death is also a part of God's plan. Now, one would think when they, if, if God had planned for Jesus to come to earth, if God the Father had planned for God the Son to come to earth, he would have certainly protected his life, right? If he's that important, let's at, let's at least protect his life. If Jesus is fully human and fully God, then what, what went wrong? What happened? Look at verse 23. Jesus says, this Jesus, right? You know the one I'm talking about. This Jesus, the one I'm talking about from Nazareth, the one who is God, this Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Now, I'm not about to say that this is easy to understand. I'm not about to breeze over this and say, hey, it's easy, just jump on board. This is, these are difficult things to understand, but, but I'll just simplify it here and say God had a plan, a definite plan, a predetermined plan, a plan that was part of the foreknowledge of God. The God of the universe had thought through this. It was a plan from the beginning of time. God knew this plan before the plan went down. His hand was all over it, and God was sovereignly orchestrating the events, even the sinful events of the Jewish leaders delivering Jesus up to death. He was over it. But hold on, right? Uh, Peter is very quick to turn this around and to show how there is human responsibility. He says uh, to these men of Israel, now this is a scary place to be. Right, this is a scary place for Peter to be, but he's bold, he's courageous, and he says in verse 23, you, he's talking to these people, you crucified Jesus, and, and you killed him. But, but that wasn't outside of God's plan. God, Jesus' death was God's plan. Jesus was delivered over to the hands of lawless men to be killed, and none of that was outside of God's plan. It was a part of the perfect plan of God. God planned it, and it happened. God's plans are always carried out. Or if you're a part of this church, we've been working through the book of Joshua, God always keeps, it, yeah, keeps his promises. He had a plan and he carried it out. The words, you crucified and killed Jesus, could be ringing through our ears as well. And they ought to be. Why did Jesus die? Why was it the plan of God for Jesus to be killed? Just very simply stated, God desires to be in relationship with the humans he's made, and he's made us to be in relationship with him, but our sin has damaged, or our sin has destroyed that relationship. Have you sinned against God? Of course you have. Of course I have. Each of us has. God's word is very clear. Everyone, everyone has sinned. 
is sinning and will continue to sin. Everyone, happy Easter, right? God said in the very beginning of creation, the first man and the first woman, he said to them, if you sin, if you go against me, if you move against what I've commanded of you, you will die. There's a punishment required for sin, and that punishment is death. Either we die for our own sin, or or someone steps in in front of us in our place and dies in our place. But death is required no matter what. That's the, the penalty of our sin. And here's what happens. In God's plan, Jesus steps in, the one who is promised by God to come and reconcile us back to right relationship with him. Jesus steps in and takes our death. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even while we were sinning against God, Christ stepped in and took our death. It's already been said, but but there's nothing you did to earn God's favor. There's nothing I did to earn God's favor in any way. We were still sinning against God and, and Christ stepped in. Paul goes on to say that, that because of Christ's death, we are saved from the wrath of God. Praise God. The, the holy and righteous anger of God lashed out on us, but Christ steps in to our place. We're no longer enemies of God by faith, reconciled to God because of what Jesus has done. Jesus died because of your sin and because of my sin so that in faith we would be reconciled to God. So in some ways... Couldn't Peter say of you and of me, even right now, you crucified and killed Jesus. Your sin crucified and killed Jesus at the hands of lawless men. So you didn't, actually, you didn't do it physically, but at the hands of lawless men, we killed Jesus. Jesus' life on earth is God's plan. Why? So that he could live a perfect life, carry out the predetermined and definite plan of God to die, to, to be killed, to atone for, to cover over our sin. That's the truth of the gospel. That's good news. That's absolutely good news that God made you and wants to be in relationship with you and we've made a mess of our chances for a relationship with God and the penalty of our sin is death. But Jesus, by the plan of God, came to earth, took on that penalty so that by faith we would live. That's good news, friends, isn't it? But if that's where the story ends, if that's where the story ends, what would be the hope? If that's where the story ends, God sent his only son, perfect son, to die for you that you might live. But live for what if that's where the story ends? Jesus is gone, and I get life, but life to what end? Life to, to what? What's the hope in that? If the story of Jesus and God's plan ends with Jesus dying, where is the hope in that What are we living for? If death is the end of Jesus, then it's the end of us as well. If the one who came to save dies and can't beat death, can't conquer sin and death, then where is the hope for us? It's not hopeful at all. 
That, that means the one God has approved has actually not been effective in carrying out God's ultimate plan to be the ultimate conqueror of sin and its consequences, death. If Jesus dies and that's the end of the story, the very enemy he came to defeat has won. But look at verse 24. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. It wasn't possible, right? It wasn't possible. Jesus' resurrection is also God's plan. This is the ultimate way God is showing his great approval of the Son. He raised him from the dead. The one who is fully man, fully God, the one who took on death, that's because of our sin. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death. I bet that not many of you have used the word pangs recently, right? The idea is loosing the, 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 the birth pains of death, loosing what, what is naturally there because of the consequences, loosing that, getting rid of it. Conquering the consequences of sin and death. And I love the last part of verse 24. This is where I want to zoom in. The ultimate of ultimates. It was not possible for Jesus to be held by death. Wasn't possible. It was not possible for Jesus to be held by the very thing that gets all of us. Right? So far, who has lived past death? Right? None of us. Oh, we had one hand go up. Well, okay. Um, we'll talk later. Uh, the very thing we feel the effects of daily, death, could not hold Jesus. Death and the ruler of death are powerless to hold Jesus in its grips. Why? Can, can you pause to think about this for just a second? Death comes to all of us, right? We are constantly reminded of the temporary nature of life, right? Who got up this morning and had coffee? Show of hands, crowd participation, right? So look around, right? You needed something else to keep your life going this morning, Right? Swing your legs out of bed in the morning. Maybe this is for old people like me. But uh, swing your legs out of, uh, of bed in the morning and you feel the aches. You feel the pains. You feel yourself moving closer and closer to death. We're constantly reminded of the temporary nature of life. We all are. Cancer. Heart disease. Traumatic accidents. COVID. Miscarriage, chronic pain, chronic illness. We're constantly reminded by the temporary nature of this life. I know that's a downer. Hold on. Hold on. But we're constantly reminded of the temporary nature of this life. As we think through that, we also have to think about the resurrection where we're also reminded of the temporary nature of death, Right? We have to be reminded because of the resurrection of the, of the temporary nature of death. Yes, by faith we will die, but by faith we will be raised from the dead when Jesus returns to gather us up. Jesus had to be raised to pave that, that way for us. It's because Jesus has conquered sin and death and now lives that we too, by faith, will live with him forever. It was not possible for Jesus to be held by death. It wasn't possible. 
God raised him up. It wasn't possible for him to be held. What stands in front of you right now that seems utterly impossible? I'll tell you one thing, sort of the ultimate thing that stands in front of us that seems impossible, and it's this. Eternal life on our own efforts. A life with God into eternity on our own. That's an impossibility from our own doing. Right? There is hope only in Jesus as the giver of life, eternal life. The resurrection of Jesus brings hope like nothing else this world has to offer. Nothing else promises life for us. In fact, nearly everything has let us down. Right? Who could use a cup of coffee right now? Right? Everything lets us down. We need more. We want more. We'll we'll try this thing and it lets us down. Nearly everything lets us down. Nothing else promises the hope of eternal life for us. This is God's plan. The life of Jesus is God's plan. The death of Jesus is God's plan. The resurrection of Jesus is God's plan. It was not possible for Jesus to be held captive to death. That is our Lord and Savior, powerful over all things, even death. All of this motivated, in part, out of love for us. Those who have faith and have turned to him, all of of this, in part, motivated by love. And that's why we're celebrating today. That's why we're celebrating. Right? Friends, can I hear it again? He is risen. He's risen indeed. You know, Peter's sermon continues through the end of Acts. He brings in support from King David. It's a good person to bring in support from a psalm that he wrote centuries previous about how Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of prophecy and his resurrection. God raised him up. Then Peter goes on to say that Jesus has also been exalted and now sits at the right hand of God the Father. God has a plan to exalt Jesus. God has a plan to honor Jesus. That is also a part of God's plan. And do you know what happens at the end of Peter's sermon? We'll finish here. Here's what happens at the end of Peter's sermon. The people who were listening in on this sermon were moved. We're told deep down to their hearts they were moved. And so they ask Peter a question. What is the question they ask Peter? They say, so what do we do? So what do we do? Maybe that's the question you're asking this morning. Okay, I'm listening. I'm here on Easter. I did the thing, right? Here I am. What do I do? That is the beauty of the gospel. You are not required to do anything to earn the favor of God. But in faith, he invites you in. Peter said to the people, what, repent and be baptized. He's not really asking them to do something to earn salvation. He's saying, show it. Repent. Turn from the things you've walked toward and turn back to Jesus. Be baptized to show others that you are one of his. He's not saying, hey, do something so that you can be saved. He's saying God in his love and by your faith has saved you. Now now repent and, and be baptized. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus. Turn away from the hopelessness of this world and turn toward the hope only found in Jesus. Would you hear that this morning? 
Friend, maybe you're here this morning because someone invited you here to be with them and you're just waiting to, to get through this so you can have um, some food or, or whatever it is that you've got planned for the rest of this day. I don't know why you're here. Maybe you wandered in. Maybe you Googled um, churches for Easter, what, whatever it is. Maybe you're a part of this church and you've been here for a long time. We just, I want you to, to consider this this morning. What in life right now is hopeful for you? The world and all of its benefits will let us down. We've all experienced that. True hope is only found in Jesus, the one for whom it was impossible for death to hold him. So Peter says, repent and be baptized. Can I just put that call out for you? If you're chasing after something, can I call you back and say, no, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the one who's died for you so that you could live by faith. Hear that. Don't leave this place without hearing that, all of us. Not just for the, the person that you're kind of nudging right now. That's for all of us. We, we need to hear that. Can I pray for us this morning? And then, um, and then we'll continue to worship. I'll invite you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to come and celebrate communion with us and, um, and celebrate in song. Let me pray. God, we're thankful for um, your love for us. Our sin is what held Jesus to the cross, but it was your plan, your predetermined plan in your foreknowledge to do that so that we could be in right relationship with you. What a beautiful thing it is to see um, those who have committed their lives to you. You've called them your own. It's part of your plan to call them your own. Now we celebrate um, both the risen Lord and this picture of them being raised to new life. So thankful for what you have done in those lives. And God, I pray this morning, if there's anyone else here who does not yet know you, but has been, has been poked by you, nudged by you, even this morning, Spirit, that you would do that, would be a gift. Would, would they turn to you? Would they turn their eyes to you? And be saved. Would you do that, God? We know that the work has been finished. Jesus' body was broken. His blood was shed so that we could be in relationship with you by faith. And so we rest in that. It's like some of the stories we just heard, God, uh, so many resting in your care and your comfort. We rest in that. All these things we pray in the name of Jesus who came to earth, lived a perfect life, died a death that we deserve to die defeated sin and death forever by being raised to new life in his name.